right? Everybody, if you heard the story that they we're reading today, you know, an angel appeared to Mary. She had supernatural encounters where she knew something was, was happening. But did Mary really know the extent of it? I don't think so. I think the song is right. You know, there's, you know, you get this huge experience from God sometimes. Sometimes you have something happen from God and you kind of, yeah, I kind of get it, but you don't know of all that's going to unfold when you walk through the journey of what God wants for you, what He has for you. And so Mary, she didn't know something. She did know that this was a miraculous birth, that she was a virgin, that she, you know, there was no way she'd be pregnant unless it was supernatural. And she knew that an angel had appeared to her and said, here's his name. His name is Jesus. He's going to save people from sin. Not just forgive them from sin, save them from it, pull them out of it, deliver them from it. That's good news. It's not just good news that God forgets our past. He, he does do that. He forgives the past, but He says, I've given you power to free you for your future. Do you know? Do you know Him? Do you know Jesus as He really is? You know, 1 Corinthians, I want to read this scripture to you. It's not from the Christmas story, but I think it uh, ties into this idea. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, However, as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And look at this. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Listen to this. That we may understand what God has freely given us. Did you catch that last verse? You got, there's two verses to catch there. No, number one is the no eye is seen, no ear is heard. In other words, there's something more than we've thought of before. Even when Mary had the revelation of this is going to be the Son of God, she didn't understand all of what that meant. I mean, there's times when it looks like Jesus' family doesn't really know who He is. They show up and they're like, hey dude, calm down, bro. <laughs> Let's, let's not get too crazy here. You're, you know, you're a carpenter and all that. That's cool. But let, let's not get out of line here. You're, you're saying some stuff that's, that's pretty lofty. You're saying some stuff that says you're, you're greater than who we thought you. You know, I know you're special. But I don't know about that. So his family, we don't know. Mary doesn't ever speak again. That really tells us what's going on. But there's sometimes when Mary has Jesus when he's 12 years old at the temple... You know, Jesus has to tell her, hey, didn't you know where I'd be? I'd be in my father's house. You know, they left, they left Jerusalem and we're walking back and they're like, where's Jesus? You know, anybody ever lose a 12-year-old before? They're kind of slippery, okay? They can, they can get out of your sight, okay? So <laughs> Jesus was a little slippery there, like, we're on the journey back and like, uh, Jesus isn't in the car. He's not in the back seat. He's not buckled into their caravan on the camel. And so... <laughs> They had to go back, and they're searching the city. They don't know where he is. 
And when they find Jesus, he says to his parents, don't you know that I had to be in my father's house? (laughs) I must be about my father's business. I must be about what God wants me to do. Jesus already knew who he was, and they were still kind of, oh, wait, I remember that angel stuff. Because it wasn't like every day that Jesus showed up. He didn't levitate in the air and you know, have a shiny, bright face. He looked like a normal baby. So over time, you know, it, you know, they're just raising him up. I mean, he was perfect. He never, he always obeyed. You know, that was, like I said last week, <laughs> kind of a strange kid, right? <laughs> always obeyed. <laughs> Anybody else have one of those? I don't. <laughs> there isn't one. He was the only one. And so there, as time goes on, you know, maybe that begins to fade. You know, sometimes that happens with us. We have something, God promises something, and life happens, and we begin to, yeah, I remember that. I, I know that's in there somewhere. But we have to remember that once you come into the family of God, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for you as a child of the King. Do you know? Do you know? It says the Spirit comes so that we might understand what God has freely given us. We need a revelation. See, Christmas was about revelation. There was a, there was a period of time that's called the silent years. From the end of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi to, the, to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament... There's 400 years, and historically, uh, there's supposedly not much going on with God. In other words, there's not, people aren't seeing God do things. God's always at work, and maybe they just weren't recognizing it. But there was not, there was not miraculous things happening. There was not things where you could clearly say, that's God. You know, when you have something in your life happen that you know it's God, you, you, you go, that's God. That's got to be Him. And so there was none of that for years and years and hundreds of years. Can you imagine? It's four centuries, right? Centuries, a hundred years, right? I've been in school in a while, just checking, okay? I almost said decades. <laughs> centuries. Four centuries, and there's like people are going, is God really still there? You know, have you ever had a long time where it felt like, is God there? It might seem like four centuries. It might seem like forever. It might seem like it's been so long since God did anything. And then in an instant, out of nowhere, something begins to happen. And when God begins to reveal what He's going to do, something is stirred in people's hearts. Hope is stirred. Because when God shows up and reveals something, He gives hope. See, without hope, We're not going to expect and believe for something good in the future. If your hope dies, your faith dies. If your hope dies, your confidence dies. Your boldness dies. Your your peace dies. Because you need that spark of hope and you need that revelation where God comes. What begins to happen in the Christmas story? Angels. There's stories of angels. There's appearances of people. And, you know, of, of miraculous things. Angels are in the sky when Jesus is born. There's, there's suddenly a stirring. Something's happening. What does it stir in the people's hearts? Any of them who encountered God or the messengers of God in the story, hope is stirred. Hope is stirred. Maybe God's going to do something. Because if you don't think God's going to do something, you have no hope and you're not going to believe for it. 
You're not going to press in for it. You're not going to try to understand it and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand because there's no hope for anything else. But he says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. There is a promise there that says there is something more. There's, and there's something to be expectant about. So there are two appearances uh, of, a miracle, of a miraculous birth in the, in the Christmas story. There's Mary and there's Zechariah. Now, we didn't hear about Zechariah today, so let me tell you a little bit about Zechariah. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they'd wanted to have kids their whole life, but they were unable to have children. And they had become past the age of childbearing, whatever that is, um, you know, past where they'd probably want to have kids. They were, they were up there in years. Okay, we're just going to say they were old. Okay? <laughs> Those of you that are old in here, I'm not old. <laughs> That's what you think too, isn't it? That's what you think too. You're like, I'm not old either. <laughs> so whatever old is to you, that's what Zechariah and Elizabeth were. They were old. And they had had a, had a desire to have a child. They'd had hope. And so an angel appears to Zechariah. An angel. Okay? Mary got an angel. Zechariah got an angel. Same, same angel, I think, right? Anybody remember? Gabriel? Same angel. Okay? So you got Mary, gets the, gets the angel, says, you're going to have a baby. She doesn't want one. <laughs> Zechariah gets a message from angel, and at one point he did want one. Mary believes. What is Mary's response? She says, how Will this be? Okay? That's exactly her words. In other words, I know this is going to happen, but how? Zechariah has Gabriel come visit him, has a visitation from heaven, and says, your wife is going to have a child in your old age. And he says this, how can this be? In other words, I don't think that can really happen. Same angel, same announcement, two responses. I don't know what it was for Zechariah. I don't want to blame him. I don't want to throw him under the bus and say, man, that loser. Because <laughs> we all are like Zechariah sometimes. We end up where it's been too long. It's just been too long. Or things have been too hard. Or it's been, it's been too crazy. I, I, and, and hope dies. And hope dies. And so when God shows up and says, look what I'm going to do. He's like, I can't believe that. But when Mary, with her childlike heart, she was very young, most likely, most likely a teenager. She had that childlike faith that just said, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but here I am. I'm ready. I'm as ready as I know how to be. You know, the difference between trust and unbelief, between faith and unbelief, is really small sometimes. It was one word in their response. You know, that one word 
totally changed the, the attitude, the responsiveness of their heart to the message from heaven. And so when God comes to us, I don't want to fall into the Zechariah syndrome, which is hope has died, I've given up on what the promise of God is, and so when God shows up and says, it's going to happen, I say, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if you can really do that. I want the heart of Mary that says, okay, I don't know how you're going to do that, but I say, do it, God. Do it, God. You know, and the story of Christmas is about hope being stirred in our hearts. It's about hope being stirred. So I felt like what the Lord wanted to do right, right now in the middle of this message was if you, if you have lost hope right now, can we just bow our heads? Can we just bow our heads right now? We're gonna, we're gonna pr- I want to pray to release hope. If you've lost, it could, be just a, it could be a huge situation in your life. It could be whatever it might be. It might be been going on for a long time. It might seem like it's four centuries long since God spoke to you. Whatever, whatever is the case. You might have run away from God for four centuries. It doesn't matter. We're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and believe that God is going to stir hope in hearts. Because if we have hope, then there's possibility for faith. There's a possibility to take hold of God's future for you with believing Him and trusting Him and receiving the revelation from Him. So right now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to deposit hope in hearts right now. I release the hope of God right now into every single heart that's here. Lord, those things that have died, those things that we have let go, I speak to them and I say, live right now in Jesus' name. Hope be stirred in Jesus' name. I command you, be stirred. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For doing that. Thank you for massaging, Lord, the, the broken places in our hearts. Lord, the places where we, we've given up. Lord, we ask you to stir that in us right now. Lord, the things you want us to hope for. Lord, not our desires, not our, not our beliefs. It's, it's what you want. It's your plan. It's your desires. You have something good. You have something that we haven't conceived in our mind. You have something greater. It's in you, Jesus. We thank you for that, God. Stir hope in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You know, once, once hope was stirred, things began to happen. There started to be a, be a, a, a stirring of, of expectancy. You know, when hope is, is awakened in your heart, you can expect something to happen. You expect something good rather than expecting something bad. You know, the opposite of faith, really, is, is faith in the bad. <laughs> we all, everybody's believing in something. It's just you can believe it's going to be bad and not going to happen, or you can believe it's good and God is good and He's going to do something. Now, here's the deal. It's just like Mary in our life. It's not usually our plan. Okay? <laughs> That wasn't Mary's life plan. You know, so have you ever met somebody who had like their life planned out? Like a young person? You know, that, well, I'm going to do this, going to do that, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get married, and I'm going to wait three and a half years and six days, and then I'm going to have kids, and, you know, and we'll, I'm going to do all this. And, you know, we, we have plans for ourselves. <laughs> Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord is the one who <laughs> fulfills his purpose. 
And so I have to be willing in my heart that begins to hope that God's going to do something, I have to say, okay, God, I'm open to what you want to do. Because if I have it locked in that this is the way it's going to be, I might fall into Zechariah syndrome again, which says, Zechariah, in his mind, maybe, I'm just speculating, he's believing for a child, but it had to happen by a certain point. It wasn't going to happen after a certain time. And so, okay, this is the way I expect it to happen, God. And so if it doesn't happen that way, then I can't believe you for it to happen a different way. Expectation sometimes is the killer of faith because we're expecting something that has to be in my box when God says, no, I've got a different box for you and it's probably a lot bigger and a lot more open and a lot freer and a lot more challenging and a lot more going to have a lot more uh, faith and trust in me. You wanted to just walk in your own strength. You wanted it to be easy. You wanted it to be comfortable. And God says, no, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be beyond you. It's going to be something that you can't handle on your own. But he says, look, I'm going to give you the strength to do it. Faith, you know, steps in and then the grace of God is released. What happened when Jesus came? It said Jesus was full of grace and truth. John chapter 1, it says the Word became flesh. And He dwelt among us. And it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know, grace without truth is not grace, and truth without grace is not truth. You get that? <laughs> you can't have grace without truth, because then that's, just, that's not grace. It's something else. It's licensed to do whatever. But you can't have truth without grace because there is no truth now without grace because Jesus already came. So if the truth doesn't have grace in it, it's not really the truth. It's just a fact. It's not the truth. Jesus came to bring both. And so when He brings the grace into our lives, we need His power. We need His grace. We need to stop trying our own. It was the Holy Spirit who came upon Mary. It was the grace and presence of God that made the miraculous happen. It can't happen without the grace of God. It can't happen without the presence of God. And so that's what He promised at Christmas is now I am available. Now this is available for everybody. Worship team, come on up. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. And so today what we want to do is let God ask you that question as we worship. Do you know me? Do you know me? And there might be a part of who God is that He just wants to reveal you, to you today. I don't know what that part is, but it's good. Everything, he wants to re everything God is, is good. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say it was comfortable. I didn't say it was necessarily even what we wanted, but it's good. And so He wants to release His goodness today. I don't know what that is for you. But I, have, I, I believe the Lord is asking the question that says, do you know me? And if there's something in you that says, God, I just got to know you better, then, then I just invite you 
to respond. If you want to come up front, if you want to kneel where you're at at your seat, um, I've released my leaders to just kind of, we're just going to go with the Holy Spirit here, see what happens, okay? So if, the, if you know, the leaders might come lay hands on you, that just means the Holy Spirit told them to pray for you. And you, they may not know what you need, but He knows what you need. And we're believing the Holy Spirit's going to do that. So let's, let, let's pray together. Lord, we just thank You. We just thank You for Your goodness in our lives. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your truth. We invite You now to move upon our hearts, God. We invite You, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Move in our hearts. Move in our hearts. Give us a fresh revelation of Jesus today. Fresh revelation of Jesus.